0: From KMOX Sports. Okay boys, here we go. Welcome to the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Those Mitt swings and he hits a
2: drive. He hits a spammer.
0: Greybar, your distributor for electrical and datacom needs. Let's go! Now from Cardinal Spring Training in Jupiter, Florida, and the TR Hughes Homes Broadcast Center. Here's Matt Paulie. We
2: do come your way here on a Tuesday night. It's great to have you with us. Cardinals struggled today, but not here in Jupiter. They are across the state uh, playing today in Lakeland, tomorrow in Tampa. They matched up against the Tigers earlier today. They'll take on the Yankees tomorrow. So things... Kind of quiet, not kind of quiet, very quiet here in uh, Jupiter when it comes to the Major League version of the St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome in. Sports Open Line, Graybar Sports Open Line will be with you till 8 o'clock this evening. We've got a lot coming up. This is a not only on this show, but also what's coming up after me, which I'm... Uh, maybe I'm more excited about what's going to be coming up from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. So uh, here on this show, we're going to be joined by uh, Will Leach in about 10 minutes, uh, maybe five minutes, somewhere in there. Uh, More like 10 minutes, about 6.20 is when uh, he is going to join us. Then later on in the hour, we're going to be joined by St. Louis University women's basketball coach uh, uh, Rebecca Tillett as uh, she's got her team into the NCAA tournament. She is going to join us uh, later on this hour. Next hour, uh, we're going to be joined by uh, Brian Walton, from the Cardinal Nation. He is here in Jupiter, uh, mainly covering, not mainly, but yeah, eh, mainly, very much covering the uh, the younger players, minor league camp, things like that. Uh, So we'll discuss uh, things like that. And then in our final segment of the day, we're going to have Nate Gatteron. We've had Nate Gatteron a number of times. He's one of our favorite people in the world. And our big news of the day is you're going to be hearing more and more of Nate Here on KMOX, which is good for all parties involved, especially you, the listener. And he's going to start tonight doing a special sports-centric version of At Your Service. So he's going to do that from 8 o'clock to uh, 10 o'clock this evening. Uh, we'll let him preview that during our final segment. But I am so fired up that we're going to have more Nate Gatter here on uh, KMOX as we, uh, as we should. So Nate's going to be uh, with us coming up uh, at the end of next hour. And that's kind of an idea of what we've got uh, coming up on the program today. The Blues are in action tonight. They take on Arizona. They are wrapping up a three-game Western road trip trying to have a winning road trip. They are uh, they've won one and they've lost one so far. Overall, it continues to be a struggle for uh, the Blues. We will hear some of the comments from uh, Head Coach Craig Berube. He met with the media after morning skate earlier today, and we'll replay some of what he had to say coming up later on this hour. Cardinals today was a little rough for them. Not uh, not the best day for them. They end up losing to Detroit by a 16-3 to score. Most notably, and we'll talk a lot more about this game coming up next hour, uh, but most notably, a couple prospect pitchers pitching today, and they each struggle in Gordon Grisefo and uh, Michael McGreevy. Each of these guys are considered top ten prospects in the organization according to MLB Pipeline. Graceffo made the start, doesn't make it out of the third inning, goes two and two-thirds innings, four runs on five hits. Uh, Michael McGreevy gets four outs going in an inning and a third, allowing six runs on five hits. So you know what that means? Absolutely nothing. These are young guys. They're prospects. They were not contending for a spot uh, on the big league team as it was. They're going to continue their development in the minor leagues, but they certainly had a, a tough day. These kind of days, though, like it sounds kind of funny to say when, when you had a bad day. It's not the worst thing in the world for a young guy like that. There is, there is some learning that goes along with that. If you really view it kind of as a learning experience and take something from it, uh, maybe, maybe there is some positives there. That's something that Oliver Marmol has talked a lot about. I think I mentioned it today during our uh, 1230 spring training report. For some of these young guys who are getting opportunities to either be in these big league spring training games or just be around them, be in the dugout, be in the bullpen, th- that's where the value comes from. Uh, yesterday, there's a young guy uh, named uh, Victor Scott II who started in center field. He's a top thirty prospect in the organization. He's ranked number twenty nine, but he's he's not a top ten prospect in the organization. He's a top thirty guy, but not somebody who's on the fast track to the big leagues or anything like that. Uh, his, his greatest asset is his speed, uh, the scouting scale, which never really makes much sense, but the scouting scale in baseball goes from 20 to 80. So if you are an 80, something, you're really, really good at it. If you're a 20 at something, you're really, really bad at it. And then you can fill in the numbers in between. He's an 80 runner. Scott is. So he's got tons and tons and tons of speed, great base runner, uh, good outfielder in terms of tracking things down. Uh, they, they're in a situation right now where they don't have anybody who can play center field, which is it's kind of funny, not, not funny haha, but funny peculiar that they're in this spot because coming into spring, it was going to be an open competition for center field between Dylan Carlson, Lars Newtbar, and also Tyler O'Neill, So three guys were going to be vying for center field. And you said to yourself, is there enough innings for all three guys? Well, two of those guys are at the WBC now. Tyler O'Neill and Lars Newtbar are not with the team. And you got Dylan Carlson, who's uh, dealing with a throwing issue, uh, and he can't throw right now. So he's stuck being the designated hitter for the time being. We'll see if maybe he gets back into the field tomorrow. But... Uh, you're stuck yesterday. It's it's Scott in center field. Today uh, they had Moises Gomez out there in in center field, and he is not a particularly good defensive outfielder. And he was playing in center field today, so that's just kind of the stuff you see. But going back to where I was going a moment ago, uh, Oliver Marmol talked about the fact that yesterday he was talking about Scott specifically. Didn't really matter if he went 0 for 4 or 4 for 4. This isn't somebody who's contending for a big league roster spot. He's he was playing at Palm Beach last season. He was playing single-A baseball last season. So more than anything else, it's an opportunity for them to feel what it feels like to be in a major league spring training game, to be in the dugout with those guys. And uh, that's where the value comes from. And you get to see that in, in spring training, and you really don't get to see that at any other uh, point in time. So it's fun. It's It is fun during spring training to watch – the future of the organization, have some moments. Now, you also have some not-so-good moments, like you had today uh, with Graceffo and with McGreevy, but on the other side of that spectrum is what Mason Wynn has been able to do since since being here. He's taking advantage of the fact that uh, Tommy Edmond is away on the WBC and Paul DeYoung had not been playing the field. He got back into the field today and was at shortstop, but DeYoung had not been available uh, to play the field here recently. And Mason Wynn took a, the, took advantage of that. And he really showed out. Now, a guy who was not contending for a big league roster spot, but at the same time showed that he wasn't going to get embarrassed at this level. And, who knows? Maybe we see him make his major league debut this year. I think he's a whole lot closer to the big leagues than any any of us expected, just kind of the way that he's been uh, conducting his business since being here uh, in Jupiter. So that's that's one of the better stories, and that goes back to just the fact that young guys get opportunities in spring, and this year that's even more pronounced because so many players are away for the World Baseball Classic. All right, again, we've got a lot coming up uh, this hour uh, specifically. We're going to be joined by Will Leach in just a moment, SLU Women's Basketball Coach Rebecca Tillett later in the hour. It's all coming up. It's the Graybar Sports Open Line. We are in Jupiter, Florida, and we're back with more in just a moment right here on
0: KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.
2: Continuing to broadcast live from the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center in Jupiter. Sports Open Line does continue from Cardinals Spring Training. We're very happy to uh, welcome on to the program right now. You can read him all over the place. Uh, In fact, I want to talk to him about something that he uh, just wrote for uh, Inc. Magazine, but he's Will Leach. Follow him on Twitter at William F. Leach. Will, thank you so much for your time. How are you?
4: Of course, very well. Thanks for having me. I can, I'm feeling better. There's a World Baseball Classic game tonight. Baseball's uh, actually happening with stakes tonight. I can't believe it.
2: It's, is it, it's at like 11 o'clock tonight. Are you, uh, you staying up? Are you going to watch it? Oh, oh, no, no. I'm not going to make it. But I'm excited theoretically
4: to know <laughs> that it's happening. I mean, I will be retroactively excited when I see the score when I wake up and get my kids off to school.
2: Okay, so we always bring you on to talk baseball, and we'll get to that in a second, but as I was looking at your Twitter account, I saw your most recent tweet about your Inc. Magazine story about Shaq, and then I read the story, and it was awesome, and I've always been just mesmerized by Shaquille O'Neal and who he is as a person and his personality and how that works in business, and you wrote the perfect story about him, and it was really interesting. I guess uh, I encourage everybody to read it, uh, ink Magazine, com. go to your Twitter account, and, and the link is right there. What's the thing that jumped out to you the most about Shaq as you put together this story?
1: You know, Shaq
4: is, of course, start, kind of started as an advertiser, an endorser, right? And, listen, he still is obviously very good at that. It's hard to find products he doesn't endorse, uh, certainly at this point. <laughs> but one of the things that I think is really smart about the things that he invests in and businesses that he starts, which is really what the story is about, Inc. is uh, a, a magazine for entrepreneurs and people that are starting businesses. And one of the things I think is really smart about Shaq is he really obsesses over things that he personally feels personally invested in. Uh, the example that he gave to me is the general. We've all seen the general, right, the little guy in the in the drill sergeant, uh, <laughs> the animated guy. He's on the movie Network all the time on those commercials, and th- that seems like an odd thing for Shaq to be involved with, but Shaq harked back to when he was in high school, and he could not, he, didn't, he was from a poor family, he had a car, and his stepdad said, you have to have insurance for this car, and he couldn't believe, he never thought of insurance, and so the only insurance he could afford was the general, and he remembered that when he was a millionaire and a billionaire, and said, "This is something I want to help out other people with because this is this is a, this is a product I believe in and something I want to endorse." And then ends up becoming invested in the company. You've seen it with; uh, he has a restaurant chain called Big Chicken, where all the chicken all the chicken sandwiches are named after friends of his, and there's one after Charles Barkley because it's spicy and makes you feel bad. I think it was the exact quote that he said. And uh, and, uh, and, and and the uh, the actual layout of the restaurant is actually meant to look like the, his what his family would go to after church like what the, the kind of family room looked like after that all these things are very personal and what i think is interesting about that is when you make things personal they often feel universal because they're specific. And so Shaq, is, it was a really, really interesting conversation. He's a really interesting guy. And uh, so it, it was a very fun, very, uh, very excited to get to talk. I don't do a lot of business writing, but uh, to talk about, talk to Shaq about kind of the, the way he's kind of navigated the world. And it's really an incredible thing. And plus, it's fun to interview Shaq because you have to raise your hand for the microphone really high. You have to <laughs> raise it really high in the air to be able to interview Shaq.
2: All right, let's get to a little baseball here on the couple minutes left uh, we have with you. Uh, how, what's your excitement level for Jordan Walker?
4: Oh, I mean, uh, it's uh, completely out of control in a way that's totally unfair <laughs> to him. Uh, but i i think I think it's I think it's reasonable that, that you know fans gotta have this right now. You see, it's not just that he's hitting the ball well; that he's, that he's this exciting talent. There is a composure there. You can you, know, you see the way that veterans talk about him the, the 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 from the beginning you know the people from the Cardinals Clubhouse are being like this guy looks like he's been here for a long time. He's 20. <laughs> he feels like he's been here for a long time. And um, I, I do a podcast with, uh, with the great Bernie Miklis called Seeing Red, and we discussed this week, kind of contrasting. Because a lot of people want to say, well, he's the best hitter since Pujols. And if you remember, the last best hitter since Pujols that the Cardinals had come up the system was Oscar Tavares, who, of course, tragically, yeah. tragically uh, had that tragic death. But even when Tavares came up, uh, uh, he was like a good hitter. But across the board, everyone was like, he's got a lot to learn. He's got a lot to learn. There's a, he, he's got a great bat, but is he ready for the majors yet? Yeah, there's, there's a maturation thing. There's a there's a getting used to the speed of the game thing. You don't hear that about Walker. You hear veterans say he's ready now. That to me, saying that he has the, saying to see he has the same sort of uh, talent as Pouls. I don't think when you make the Pouls comparison, it's necessarily that though it's fun to dream, it's really more that he has showed up at spring training and from the very beginning. Look, I heard an interview on this radio station uh, a few months ago, and I was like, this guy feels like he's ready to not only face a press conference, but maybe to manage the team. <laughs> like, he really sounds like really, really ready and composed. He has this great – I heard an interview with him. We had this great anecdote about growing up, uh, about meeting Hank, Hank Aaron when he was younger. Yeah. He's clearly – Ready. And that is very, very exciting and a cool thing to, to see. So, yeah, he's hitting the ball, and that's great. But it's, it's not just that, it's just an overarching sense. This guy belongs. That's a very cool thing to see
2: no you're you're 100 right he's the look you in the eye kind of guy and us in the media we always judge people on that and and, and he, he checks all those boxes so it is a lot of fun last thing for you what's what's your still area of concern there's a couple of weeks left in spring training what's the area that most worries you about this team
4: you know, I, I talked about the World Baseball Classic. i I really would like it if Adam Wainwright could start throwing it a little harder. <laughs> and I say that out of concern, a uh, concern for Wainwright as much as as love. Obviously, we all love Wainwright. We want him to do well. But the Cardinals' pitching staff. I mean, I think they're not necessarily counting on Wayno, but they really need him. They need those innings from something. I think there's a, there's a little bit of depth there, but you really need Wainwright to be at the least kind of what he was last year. And I think spring training's been concerned. It's not so much just Wayno as much as it is. The starters, right? I think that you have some options. You have more options now than, say, you had a couple of years ago when the pigeon kind of fell apart. But, uh, you know, those guys are proven. You've got, uh, never mind, none of them are signed past this year. I think that, this, the, to me, it's the rotation. I think I feel very good about the lineup. There's, there's almost more pieces in the lineup than they could possibly fit. The rotation, I think, remains the concern. And as you know, when the Cardinals have a solid rotation, historically that's when they succeed and when they don't no matter how good the offense that's when they struggle so yeah i think that's clearly the concern
2: he is will leach you can read his great story about shack in ink magazine inc.com he recently did the 10 oldest players in baseball at mlb.com okay. you can read him there as well he's all over the place follow him on twitter at uh, william f leach hey, thank you so much for your time we will uh, catch up again with you uh very very soon of course have a great night thanks for having me guys you bet there's uh, Will Leach joining us here on the program, and we appreciate him taking a, a moment or so uh, with us the The Shack thing was really good, and i uh i 'm glad he mentioned the fact that that was the thing that jumped out at me when I read it i said here 's a guy who really cares about the things that he gets invested in like the general thing was interesting because uh that 's the insurance company he had when he was growing up, and he couldn 't afford other insurance um Reebok was another one one of his holding companies acquired Reebok and he had Reebok uh very very early on in his career and he wanted to kind of reinvest into Reebok and they've since uh released some uh, kind of Shaq original type shoes so it's uh it's really interesting to get into and then of course uh the baseball stuff he's right about Jordan Walker I keep saying it over and over and over I think the terminology I use I say Jordan Walker oozes superstar he does it with the way he plays but he also does it with what he says, the way he talks, the way he looks you in the eyes. It is, uh, it is something to see for such a young player, and it is uh, a lot of fun to see this whole thing playing out this way. Something else that's a whole lot of fun? The St. Louis University women's basketball team. They are headed to the NCAA tournament. They are A-10 champions. Their head coach, Rebecca Tillett, she's going to join us in just a moment or so. Don't go anywhere. Graybar Sports Open Line from Jupiter, Florida continues in just a moment here on KMOX. A great bar sports open line does continue here on KMOX. We continue to broadcast from the TR Hughes Homes Broadcast Center in Jupiter, Florida. But right now, we're very happy to uh, welcome on to the program. She's the toast of the town right now. She is the head coach of the St. Louis University women's basketball team, the NCAA tournament bound women's basketball team from St. Louis University. She is a coach Rebecca Tillett. Coach, thank you so much for taking some time with us today. How are you?
1: Thank you so much for having me, and I'm still doing great uh, after that incredible performance by our women in the tournament.
2: So take me through just kind of how you're feeling right now, because there's a there's a little bit of time here between you guys winning the conference tournament and eventually getting to uh, the selection show and knowing where you're going to be uh, headed to in the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, you know, we actually take it, you know, a day or two off. And it's funny, though, the team misses each other, which is always when you know you have a great team. Uh, you take a day or two off and they're in the group message and texting and, and wishing they were in the facility practicing. Uh, but it took some days to take off, you know, take care of our bodies, and then you get back at it. You don't know who your draw will be, and even trying to predict it is, is usually not <laughs> um, a of your time because you could really be off the mark. Um, so we'll get back in, uh, you know, get back to lifting, working out on the court, in preparation to hear who we face on Sunday.
2: You've had some really good teams in your career. You you coached a team of the NCAA tournament last year, but for your team to go from where they were at at six and sixteen, and then to go on that eleven and one stretch down the uh, down the stretch of the season, have you ever been a part of anything like that?
1: It's, it's a great question. You know, I think the teams I've been fortunate enough to lead have always had that fight, right? They have that. They're going to come back from things. And this team first showed that uh, when we played Wichita State. And I can't remember the total now. I might have been, you know, down 27, I think was right. And we stormed back. And I remember thinking at the time we lost, but we stormed back with a chance to compete at the end. And I remember talking to people about that, like, yes, I've had teams fight back, 18-point deficit, and you win. or But I've never seen a team do that. And it, you know, stopped me in my tracks a little bit. I like, you know, maybe this group's got, you know, something in them that we got to really get more of it out. And then, you know, when we came back from winning the championship and we get off the bus and we're greeting all, you know, some supporters, and someone, they, they said to me in the interview, 6 and 16, and I thought, well, I'm really glad I never kind of thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually don't remember that those numbers together and I'm glad I don't. And I think that because as a staff, as a, as a program, we said we're just going to focus on getting better, just keep getting better. And, you know, early in the season, if you lose, you know, a couple of games, you know, you're probably not going to get an at large. So the focus is how do you become the most dangerous team in the tournament and this team.
2: Wow! Did they embrace that? First-year head coaches at a program, I mean, they kind of they get a pass. Not to say expectations are low, but you're 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 putting your program in. You don't have that uh, full year of recruiting. Like, there's a lot of stuff going against you as a as a first year head coach and, and administrations and everybody always understands that free, does that make this even that much more impressive that I'm not trying to be disrespectful of what was going on, but I don't think expectations were overly high going into the season for at least from the outside perspective.
1: Yes. I think it does make it sweeter in a lot of ways. I mean for one, just think about what the women go through, right? There's especially the unique makeup of this team, which A lot has been talked about how unique it is. I don't think it'll be that unique in college sports, you know, with the transfer portal and the changing landscape. But we did bring some players with us who obviously knew our system. And and part of that we thought that could maybe speed up culture development, right? Because it's not just coaches and staff implementing. The players are implementing it too. Then you add in the fact that it takes a really special group of returners to embrace what is new and to help all of us that are new navigate this space. And I thought Brooke Flowers in a very early workout in the summer, you know, she said a lot of powerful things to our team, but another thing that she said was, for every one of us here, this is new. Something's new. Either you're new to SLU, or you're new to this coaching staff, or you're new to the A-10, um, and we've got to figure it out together. And I, I think her delivering that message passionately to our team, Set the tone
2: for what we were able to do. When you have players stick around, and you did as a key player, you know, you look at Julia Martina, it's I feel like in this age of the transfer portal right now, if there's a coaching change, kids just just leave. Like they they more often than not, they don't even give the next head coach that much of an opportunity. What does it say about the kids who did Give you that chance, and I mean, when you when you look back on it, those decisions had a, have a really large role in you guys being able to do what you've been able to do this year.
1: Absolutely, I think I think there's a couple of factors in that because the student athletes are also nervous too. Like, is the new coach going to utilize my skill set and their system? Do I match what they're looking for? So, I think there's a balance um, between that. For us, you know, for one, the opportunity to keep. Brooke, who's obviously the number one shot blocker in the country. And I've, I've never coached someone who's six, five, um, you know, with that type of ability. So that was super exciting to us. And then Julia to, to increase her role in the way that she did just a steady ascension throughout the season. I mean, a lot of people will remember I wasn't starting her. We weren't starting her at the beginning of the season. And you know, likely that was a mistake that we had to correct <laughs> and and figure out together. And for her to also give us the grace and the time to figure that out. Um, yeah, just really, really grateful they stayed. And, and also just how hard it is to do what they did, right? To really embrace everything we were trying to teach and, and take it to a level that maybe none of us could have imagined. You, you always think it's a chance. It's a possibility. But you also know if you've ever done it, it's not guaranteed. It's really difficult to do.
2: You said something really interesting there because you said players need to know that that next coach is going to use them in the appropriate way. Is there pressure on you when you're having those initial conversations to have done some research and and to watch some film and to know these kids so that when you're talking to them for the, for the first time or the first few times, they know that they're talking to somebody who will indeed use them the correct way.
1: Absolutely. I think one, just to be in an interview process, you really need to do some research on the program and the players and um, have some working knowledge, even to be successful in the interview process and then add to you know, what you're saying, which is even the most critical point in time, is as you meet these players and have as you start to build the foundation of the relationship, you've got to have a a working knowledge. Now, at the same time, you know, I can't go from the Big South to knowing every team and every player in the A-10 in a matter of weeks. Like, that's not possible, (laughs) you know? So year one for head coaches and new staff is – you're just trying to learn as quickly as possible. You've got to learn your players. You've got to learn the new department you're in. You've got to learn the league that you're in. And you're just trying to do it as quickly as possible while taking care of people along the way. And I think this group, wow, did they let us do that, right? They let us be who we are as coaches, um, and they just embraced the teaching and methodology from the, from the beginning.
2: Just a couple more questions for Billkins, women's basketball coach, Rebecca Coach, This this community, not just the slew committee, but the community, but really the St. Louis sports community. I feel like people have taken note of of what you guys have done and what you guys are doing. Are you feeling that? Are you feeling that support? Is this is this a cool thing for you and your team right now?
1: It really is, and it is something that drew you know our staff to come here. Right, it's a a place, St. Louis you know, the community loves athletics and they support them and they expect us to, you know, compete at a high level. And when you do, wow, well, they back you. And I think that was something that drew me in. I wanted to be somewhere where there was an opportunity to really build something special around women's sports and look around. And and you already see that with Katie Shields' program. And so we felt like there was a model here to do that. And Wow. Just excited to continue to grow the program.
2: So do you look at the stuff like, you know, there's the bracketology and and people are sending you to one place or sending you another, they're giving you this seed, they're giving you that. It's like, do you look at that stuff or do you just try to not worry about the things you can't control?
1: I think I do a little bit of both. I definitely look, (laughs) I definitely read it. And if I'm not looking, people are sending it to me anyway. Um, I think you can't get too caught up in predicting because so much is decided based on some of the tournaments that haven't been played yet, and, you know, you just don't know. Just like in our tournament, I'm not sure everybody thought that the three seed was going to win, you know, win out. So, um, you know, I'm hopeful that we get a good seed and and get a good region, and and we'll research that. You know, we'll celebrate the moment they announce it, and then the staff will, boom, we're out. we got to work, and we got to figure things out.
2: Is there, um, like there, there's no participation trophy here. You're not, you, you want to accomplish more things. You want to win more games. You don't want to be one and done. All these things. Is that as high of a moment as it's been with you guys getting to the tournament, eventually getting to the selection show, things like that. At the same time, is there a message to your team to, okay, now it's time to, to lock back in and, and do what you're supposed to do to, to give your chance to put the best possible performance on the floor in the tournament.
1: Absolutely. And I think it was the same you know, mentality entering into the A-10 tournament. This time of the year, teams can get tired and teams can reach a level where they say, okay, we did what we were supposed to do, or we did enough. And when you're trying to be elite, you can't allow those thoughts to creep in. You have to say, what is the next area of growth for our team? And I think this team has proven over and over that that's, what they intend to do. And actually, our semifinal game, I think, was an example of that because we got a huge lead on Rhode Island. And that was our first time ever having a big lead on a, an opponent that we weren't supposed to beat, right? So we had to navigate that space, and the game was closer than we would have liked in the second half because I think we had to learn that. So I think this group is going to stay hungry and uh, ready to compete in whatever our draw is.
2: She is uh, Rebecca Tillett. She is the head coach of the St. Louis University women's basketball team. She's got them in the NCAA tournament for the first time ever. What an incredible story. Coach Tillett, thank you so much for the time. Enjoy the selection show, and uh, we can't wait to see uh, what's next for your team.
1: Thank you so much for the coverage and for everybody supporting this special group of women.
2: That is SLU women's basketball coach, Rebecca Tillett joining us here on sports open lines. We continue to broadcast from uh, Jupiter and what a, what an amazing story that uh, that team is. And, so much fun, so much fun to see uh, what, they, uh, what they've what they been able to do in the turnaround, again, to go from 6-16 six and 16 to winning 11 of their final 12 games. That's wild. That just does not happen. That's a fantastic story. So appreciate uh, Coach Tillett taking some time with us. We'll take a break. We've got more coming up. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line right here on KMOX. <laughs> Sports Open Line on KMOX, broadcasting from the TR Hughes Homes Broadcast Center. As we start to wrap up, hour number one of the program. And hour number two, we have a uh, busy hour coming up. We are going to be joined by uh, Brian Walton from the Cardinal Nation. He's down here in uh, Jupiter, mainly looking at the minor league guys. as minor league camp is underway. So uh, he'll join us coming up in uh, just a little bit. And then a little bit more than an hour from now, we are going to have at your service. But it's going to be a very sports oriented at your service. And our guy, Nate Gatter, is going to be hosting tonight from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. I can't tell you how excited I am for that. So uh, we'll talk with Nate coming up by next hour to preview what he's got coming up uh, from 8 o'clock to uh, 10 o'clock this evening. Let's talk a little St. Louis Blues hockey. They are in action this evening as uh, they're still, they're trying to find some positives out of what's been a tough season. And whether those positives are, getting something out of some young players or just getting looks at guys or finding ways to win some games, like whatever it might be, just find some positives in what has been a, a pretty tough season. And they have certainly lost a, a lot more than they have won recently. They've lost seven of their last eight, and uh, they are in action this evening as they match up against Arizona. That game uh, being played on the road. Craig Berube did speak with the uh, media earlier today and uh, one of the things that we learned was uh, Yakov Rana the uh, new one of the newest members of the Blues uh, he is going to be uh, working on the second power play unit and that's something that uh, everybody seems to be pretty excited to see
3: just in general you know power play and you know look forward to seeing him play and his skill set and what he brings you know so um, you know it's only the first game so you don't you know I don't Expect Like, I'm not expecting things. I'm just going to watch and see how he does.
4: Yeah, he, uh, when you think about it, because he had the injury last year, he hasn't played a ton of hockey the last couple of seasons. And do you have to take that into account when you're kind of evaluating him?
3: Yeah, for sure. I think uh, he was down in the minors playing for a bit there, but that's obviously a different league. But, um you know, just he needs to just go out and play and work. You know, put the work in, make sure he's skating and, and working, and good things will happen because he's got the skill to make good things happen. And he's uh, I think he had five power play goals last year in just 26 games. So he he's got a I guess a little track record of getting it done on the yeah, power play. That's pretty good stats actually for you know that many games having that many goals. So yeah, he's he looks like he can handle a half wall and uh, with his. With his uh, vision and uh, puck, pat, puck uh, uh, skill, um, and he's, he's not afraid to shoot it, it looks like, so he shot some today in practice, which is good. But, uh, you know, it's always it's always good when you're running the half wall uh, to make sure that you, you have a little bit of a shot mentality too. Baruby was also
2: asked a question about Tyler Pitlick, and he's somebody that we don't talk about much. His, his stats are not eye-popping, but he just kind of – he does his job. He's in the lineup every day, and that was kind of the point that uh, Baruhi made today. That uh, he's a very steady guy. You know what you're going to get, but he's going to be able to uh, contribute on a nightly basis.
3: I think he's, you know, he's done a good job of staying in, staying there. He didn't want to come out, and he gives us what he gives us every night. You know, it's, um, you know, obviously effort, checking, skating. Um, he's been strong. He's been strong on the forecheck. He's been physical, um, you know, and got a couple goals here and there. But, uh, you know, that line has been pretty effective for us.
2: And then from an Arizona perspective, you look at their uh, top two skilled players in uh, Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz. Not only are those two guys really good, they tend to have success against the Blues. And we talked about uh, what uh, they need to do to slow those guys down.
3: They're the two, you know, most skilled players on their team. For sure and they've had you know pretty good years uh, offensively and they've had good games against us um, you know they're they're slick players they've uh, got um, good one-on-one moves and they're um, hard to handle so you know we got to do a better job of taking away their passing lanes and um, you know keeping them on the outside more than we have
2: so it is the blues and the coyotes tonight we'll see how it uh, ends up going as the blues try to find a win and try to find some uh, other positive things as well, if they possibly can. All right, that is it for uh, hour number one of the show. Don't go anywhere. In hour number two, we'll be joined by uh, Brian Walton. We'll talk Cardinals baseball with him. We'll be joined by uh, Nate Gatter to preview at your service and uh, talk through some other things, including uh, Missouri basketball. He's very connected. Nate's a great play-by-play broadcaster, uh, and uh, he does a lot of stuff with uh, the University of Missouri, so we'll talk some Missouri basketball with him as well coming up next hour. We will take a break. Uh, for the top of the hour news, hour two of sports open line, a Graybar sports open line from the Tr. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center. On the way next, right here on
0: KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.